the story of Dracula, a creature who destroys all whom he touches. Dracula the terrifying, the feared, who sleeps in the tombs of the dead by day, and arises at night to inflict his terror upon the innocent and the unsuspecting. You must help me. You must. You're my only hope. You must. This is not Lucy, the sister you love. It's only a shell, possessed and corrupted by the evil of Dracula. How do you destroy a fiend who has so far proven himself indestructible? Those who come to end his reign of terror stay to become his victims. Castle Dracula is summoned here in Klausenberg. Will you tell me how I get there? You order the meal, sir. As an innkeeper, it's my duty to serve you. When you've eaten, I ask you to go and leave us in peace. This is the doctor who dares to challenge the vampire Dracula. This is the anguished man who fears for the lives of his beloved, the girl who is his sister, and the one that is his wife. Dracula, the bedeviled master of all that is evil. Welcome to May Contain Violence, a horror appreciation podcast. I'm David, and with me is Mallory. Say hi, Mal. Hi. <laughs> we're back. Happy 2021. Yes, happy 2021. We've made it. And for all of us who are uh, still kicking, you know, you know, we've made it. <laughs> you know, well, we're well, still yeah. locked down, but we've made it. Yeah, yeah, we're starting the year off in, in lockdown here in Ontario. Rio. Oh, and God, um, yeah. well, also in Quebec. Well, just Montreal, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they're going into curfew, aren't they? Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Actually, because um, my one of like the firm that I work for, um, their office, we have offices in Montreal, and they're discussing that possibility that uh, of entering curfew and what that would mean for office hours but you know mm. we can probably trim it back an hour like i'm i go into work for eight in the morning so that's fine when i'm at the yeah. office so right. i'm okay with that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah new year uh bit of a new format so this is gonna be the first of uh many themed uh podcasts and we're going to uh, basically hit the horror subgenres and really delve into um, certain subgenres of horror. And 
uh, January is vampires. Yes. The granddaddies. But before we get to there, I got a bit of horror news. Dun, dun, dun. Breaking news. Josh, Josh, Josh. Ah. I'll put a sound <laughs> effect in there later. Um, <laughs> so as reported uh, by Bloody Disgusting and from an original story from uh, Enemy, uh, that's N-M-E, mm-hmm. um, the YouTube channel Fear, the Home of Horror, uh, beginning Friday, January the 15th, are going to be showing seven Universal Studios classic uh, horror movies for free. Um, Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) so the ones they've chosen um, start in January the 15th. And each of these films are going to be available to view for a week. Uh, They're starting off with uh, with Dracula, 1931's Dracula. Mm -hmm. And well as The Mummy from 1932. Mm -hmm. Uh, The week after uh that oh sorry um the day after that looks like uh january the 16th uh frankenstein will be going up original from 1931 and then as well as bride of frankenstein 1935 yes and january 17th they're putting up three uh the invisible man 1933 uh the wolfman 1941 and Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, 1948. It's kind of funny because I remember like watching that with like my mom putting that on and being like, okay. (laughs) 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 Is this this scary? Is this supposed to be scary? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Abbott and Costello were really big then. They're a comedy duel. And I have to to explain this because there's some people who might not know who that is. If you don't have parents that like grew up in that era, this is a good explanation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're a comedy duel. They they have a, a few famous skits. Um, probably the most famous was the "Who's on First yes. uh, skit. Uh, look that up, Abbott and Costello. Who's on first? And uh, it's it's a pretty funny skit, even now. It is. It is. It, it yeah. definitely holds. Up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they had a um, they had a string of movies where they had you know big stars that they would uh, kind of team up with and all that, and uh, they decided to do Universal Monsters because it's not just Frankenstein they meet. Um, Bela Lugosi returns as Dracula. This is only his second outing as Dracula, That's and he true. comes back for the Abbott and Costello film. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like. It's it's such a good movie. Like I mean, Avin Costello. If you just want a little bit of levity, there are definitely movies to watch, especially right now. Like just to sort of like take your mind off of being stuck at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, very wholesome comedy, but yes. uh, very very clever. Yes, uh, fun, and, and not deal. offensive. I don't think they they were no. ever really offense like offensive where it would be like, oh, that's a little cringy yeah or or their yeah their movies either like you can go back and watch like the marx brothers and there are some pretty big cringe elements there especially the way they portray, uh, portray minorities yeah uh, not good not good but it's you know a sign of the times back then um what they what they were willing to allow in 
the film, but that sort of ties back into the whole vampire theme, which is like fear of the other, like just that that whole tie yeah. into the literature and films. Like it's just that fear of otherness and invading, invasion. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, that's happening on uh, Fear, the Home of Horror uh, YouTube channel and started on January the 15th. Uh, enjoy some good classic movies and um, see where a lot of these tropes are born that we'll uh, get into, especially with Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm going to watch a few of these because I have not. There's a few of these I haven't seen yet. Um, I've never seen Bride of Frankenstein. Good one. Uh, I've never seen The Wolfman. Really good. I've never seen The Abbott and Costello. I've just seen clips of it. I've never seen the full film. Uh, so. My parents are sort of like like movie sort of like go to Blockbuster, rent a bunch of old movies kind of people. Like, But now there's no Blockbuster. But back in the day, <laughs> I definitely grew up with like a bunch of like classic like movies just playing every weekend and we it was like kids choice and parents choice right and you could stay up and watch parents choice if you want to but they always let us like run some kid movie whether it be homeward bound or something you know something something wholesome and not like you know <laughs> adult material yeah not 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 too bad and the the universal films are great to show kids oh they uh, are they, um, they are um i mean it's not dumbed down it's um it's they're, they're fairly well scripted yeah it is 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 sophisticated um they usually have pretty big star actors in there mm-hmm. so it's it's not like b-movie material that they, they actually these are big budget films yeah and, and they, they spent were a all... lot of money on them too for the time yeah. oh yeah for sure they were high production value uh at the time and and most of them don't even you know they only run usually a bit over an hour like usually an hour and 15 minutes or or so yeah so uh nice For those nice of break. us who don't like long long movies super long movies it's a good movie to yeah. watch and black and white won't hurt your eyes so just because it's in black and white i mean give it a chance <laughs> yeah no 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 but i think I, like coming from a, a film background, I love black and white because there's just so much you can can work with in terms of just shadow and and nuance. And I mean, we'll probably get into that when I talk about Nosferatu because mm-hmm. you can't you can't get through uh, vampire podcasts without talking about Nosferatu and its oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. its effect on modern day cinema cinema as well. For sure. No, for sure. Okay, um, so that's a tidbit of news I want to, to oh, share. That's actually really cool news, so I might just jump on that. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. No problem. Um, so uh, vampires, mm-hmm. they've, been, uh, they've been around for almost as long as uh, civilizations uh, in some form or another. Uh, in Greece, they were called the Virkolakas. In Ireland, the Lianan Shi. In Scotland, the Bahoban Sith. I'm probably totally massacring these names. Uh, <laughs> in Rom- Romania, there were the Maroi and the Strigoi. Uh, in Spain, there were Lumia and Gua- Guauna. Uh, in Iceland, there were the Dragur. And many other nations had variations of 
the vampire myth of, of some sort. Yes, they did. And, and variations of different types of vampires as well. Um, including the psychic vampire, which, you know, it has sort of made its way back into the mainstream with uh, what we do in the shadows. Just to throw a little like modern day vampire there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, no, that, you're, you're absolutely right. And a lot of these um, myths uh, took, they have bits and pieces of what would later be um, grouped together all under like the same vampire. So you would have one myth that had blood drinking. You would have another one that had shape changing, but maybe not blood drinking. Um, evil spirits or demons were fairly uh, well-known connected to, to vampires by a lot of these um, cultures. Um, and almost all of them had an aversion to strong spiritual belief or religious uh, symbols, um, as well as uh, plants. <laughs> Certain yeah. plants that could uh, keep a vampire at bay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it, it's it's kind of sort of neat how they sort of take it and also like how it ties into historical fact too like how they've taken sort of people from history and sort of tied into like the bloodthirst and the uh, the sort of horrible things that they did to people and sort of made them sort of more infamous to, and sort of tied into the vampiric sort of vibe that's that yeah time. that's that's right. I think I know where you're going with uh, probably two of them. Yes, uh, uh, two of them at least. Uh, Bloody Mary and also uh, Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. D- direct in- uh, inspirations uh, to uh, vampire works of fiction. Um, yes. <laughs> but it, it was through the... Now, when I was researching, um, it was through the publications of three works of fiction in particular that most of the modern vampires stem from. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, we haven't compared notes. We're kind of going in this raw. <laughs> so um, if you have um, anything, any other works that I didn't, you know, that I missed or something, uh, just just say, hold on, David. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But I think so I the- focused on Dracula mostly, so... Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so the first one that I came across, the first um, work of fiction um, that was like a, at least a novella size form was uh, from 1819, The Vampire, written by John Polidori. Okay. Um, this, the next one after that was in 1872, and that was uh, Carmilla by Joseph Sheridan. Uh, Le Fanu. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so that introduced a, a female vampire. And um, the most famous of all, of course, Bram Stoker's Dracula, published yeah. 1897. Really the granddaddy from... of vampire fiction. Yeah. It, it was certainly the, the biggest seller. Um, and it's probably been the most adapted to film. I, I would say it's probably the, the one piece of literature that's been adapted the most uh, yeah. into, uh, into the media. Yes, agreed. And uh, yeah. yeah, the most influential, the most, yes, the yeah, most adapted, agreed on all fronts. Yeah. Um, 
and probably the granddaddy of uh, tropes too. Yes, definitely <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, do you do you want to say anything about the literature side? Of course, uh, I kind of uh, wrote a bunch of notes about how Bram Stoker published the book. Uh, well, I'm going to say it in the British style or the European style. 26th of May, 1897, sort of was written in an epistolary style from different viewpoints. It was from the main character Jonathan Harker, the ship captain. There was a ship captain blog and Mina Harker letters from her, and also newspaper reports and clippings. So yeah. Yep, that's right. Um, all, which is uh, was also done uh, that type of style. Uh, Mary Shelley also wrote in with uh, and she did Frankenstein. Yes, a lot of books during that time really drew, like especially with the gothic uh, fiction, really drew from that different viewpoints. Makes for a more compelling story, sort of uh, sort of way of like telling the story you know? yeah it was it was more of a more of a almost an intimate way of writing yeah yeah because exactly. you're, you're you're again these kind of first-hand accounts rather than a narrator uh telling you yeah telling you exactly what happened and also just in terms of just uh, in terms of making it seem a little bit more real realistic Mm-hmm. You know, these are real, like making you feel like these are real people. You should care about them. <laughs> yeah, it uh, you probably directly relate that to like a found footage now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there was no found footage then, but it was it was letters. Yes, exactly. Um, so I can jump in on the tropes that they introduced for sure with uh, Dracula. Sure. Uh, um, the vampiric thrall. The Corruption of Innocence, Virgins and Children, uh, Beware the Other, the Invaders, and also Gypsies, Beware Gypsies. There was a lot of heavily Beware the Gypsies sort of vibe going throughout that book. Silver can thwart them. Religious symbolism and relics can deter them. Garlic is a deterrent. And also you can still kill a vampire by stabbing them through the heart or by beheading them. That's right. That's right. Um, did they that introduce and and garlic was introduced as well, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you would have to actually, uh, also stuff the mouth of the vampire with garlic as you behead them, I believe. Which I don't quite understand why garlic would be such a deterrent. I love it. So vampires it's, beware. <laughs> yeah, it was more of a scientific. Even back then, it was more of a scientific approach because garlic was seen as um a curative to like cold colds and whatnot you put lots of garlic in your food and that Mm -hmm. would get into the blood and that would be it would help your immune system Mm -hmm. so you know hey who who drinks blood who likes who thirsts for blood well you have garlic in you or around around you and the vampire is not going to want your blood Mm -hmm. this dirty dirty parasite Um, yeah yeah exactly agreed yeah. yeah. Also, like, yeah, there's this weird guy in our neighborhood, and yeah, like, it's that, that definite fear of the outsider. Because I mean, when you think about at, at that time period, any any newcomer was sort of someone you had to be wary of in your small village. So. 
So why the uh, the hate for the uh, the Romani or the Gypsies? I just think that's sort of been a long running thing throughout literature. When you think about just in terms of like fear of the Gypsy, like it's because they're just they're migrant they're migrant type of people. They mm-hmm. they they sort of keep to themselves. They they don't cause any harm, but as soon as like like say there was a, a group that would come in to a village or a town somehow bad things started to happen and they would just attribute it to the migratory group that came in but yeah right. I, I don't quite understand why like in that day and age like i mean i get it, the fear of the other but there just seemed to be a fear of like the unknown and like they practiced a different religion and, yeah and that yeah. might have been another reason why it wasn't necessarily catholicism or protestantism or anything that would have related to you know a quote-unquote you know deity in a sense like a, a well-known deity so that's probably why they were afraid of them right they were basically they were kind of like traveling pagans really they um they had a different uh, belief system and they did things like I'm going to read your fortune. Well, that's not, that's supernatural, isn't it? That's kind of witchy craft, but. Yeah. Or you know, like, it, yeah. And they relied on herbs and spices and, and, and mo- not modern medicine or a doctor to treat their ailments or their illnesses. And it's right. just like, it's that fear of like not being a part of the norm or the normies that probably why they, people were, there was such kind of vitriol for a group, but. Is you know it's that whole thing like it's being a scapegoat for all the bad things that could possibly happen. It's their fault. You know? Yeah, yeah. And Stoker basically used them as um, Dracula's kind of foot soldiers. Really agreed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Carrying out his. But it's kind of funny because at the beginning of the novel, Jonathan Harker is making his way to the castle, and the people that were in that village not too far from the castle in the Carpathian Mountains uh, were afraid to cross that bridge. They wouldn't cross that bridge before, like after sundown or before sundown because it just mm-hmm. bad things happen. And then, and then there's a carriage on the other side, but there's, it's just interesting that they were foot soldiers, but also they were terrified of their, their quote yeah. unquote boss basically. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, basically Dracula would, I think, he would dominate them with his will mm-hmm. and and force them force them to to help him. So maybe when he wasn't actively controlling them, they were like, okay, we're we know he's doing this to us, and we we can't help it, so we fear him. And yet they don't leave that area. <laughs> they don't leave yeah. the area around Castle of Dracula. So yeah. Yeah, they're, they're kind of thralls of, of, of their own, it seems. Yes, and also just, uh, also I didn't even add this note, but I'll make a note, just in terms of just the the fear around sexuality and sensuality that was sort of put into the book. You know, just a woman of, auton- like how being an autonomous woman was sort of a like a bad thing as mm-hmm. well. That was sort of a, an introduction like that was sort of introduced a theme that was introduced in the book and also throughout like the adaptations that fear of an autonomous woman 
like a right. woman of her own mind, a woman of her own like means. Like there's a uh, there's something that could possibly go wrong there. In a sense, right? Are are, are you talking directly about Lucy and Lucy, and also in a bit Mina. about Mina? Like, because Mina was a lot more reserved than Lucy in terms right. of the story. Because Lucy was sort of a uh, a she was a aristocrat. I, I'm gonna say like mm-hmm. it's, they didn't quite say she was aristocratic, but she came from a family of means. So Mina, for sure. Um, it was a different Mina didn't grow up with that sort of means they were friends but yeah Lucy definitely had more of a freedom about her and that was another trope like they like you know she was too free she was too wild she was too untamed so that bad thing happened yeah. to her she seemed like more of a liberated woman mm-hmm. exactly yeah. and I, I find that there was a lot of literature around that time that sort of was anti uh, you know a free woman sense you know just bad things happen to a woman who is free and spoke her own mind yeah yeah um uh anything else there Um, oh you want to elaborate on any other tropes yeah i i i think that pretty much covers what i have here do you have any that you could possibly add for the tropes um yeah let's see well uh I think you mentioned uh, like body transformation. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah. So the vampire was given um, multiple, <laughs> multiple forms in which to change into from bats to wolf to mist. Um, he had, he had a very powerful willpower in which he could basically hypnotize his prey. Mm-hmm. Um of course, the gothic setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you mention the mirror? Oh, no, the mirror. Yes, sorry. Yeah. They don't see their own reflection. Don't see their own reflection. Um, now, I'm... I, Which I, I can't find quite, weird. That's yeah, I can't weird quite remember why. Is it is it because they lack a soul or something? I can't remember the exact reason why. They just kind of mention it. I want to say they possibly don't. Yeah, they lack a soul, so they can't see their own reflection. But still, that just seems like such a weird, like, connection. Like, you, you know, like, they just, they're undead, so therefore they can't see themselves. Yeah, I, I wonder, I, I didn't research that. Uh, I wonder if it, if that comes from one of the myths, from the, one of the culture myths. I would have to uh, look that up. Yeah, possibly. It, it yeah. might but yeah, that's a that's a weird one. That's always such a weird one for me. Where I'm like, I, I, and it's one that I forget because it's not something that's always mentioned all the time, mm-hmm. outside of the Dracula sort of world and the mythos. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much connected with Dracula only that I've come across. But religious religious symbolism is definitely one that comes across all the time. The cross, the stake, the silver, the yeah, the the uh, beheading, the the garlic. Although the garlic in more modern times hasn't really been an actual, like it, garlic doesn't do anything. Really. Yeah, it sometimes even gets mocked. You know, <laughs> it's like it's, oh, garlic. He bites into like something that has garlic in it. It doesn't bother me. Um, well, yeah. I can make the joke about uh, what is it, Hotel Transylvania, where it just gives him really bad gas and he just yeah. bites all the time. <laughs> Love those movies. 
love them. They're so funny and cute and really well done. But um, yeah, just garlic and mirrors. I was just like, really? Why? Why? Like, it's not something that's mentioned beyond that. Like, oh, yeah. you can't see yourself? Yeah. Weird. I, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Um, and the, uh, the ability to create other vampires as well. Yes. That is they're, another they're, one. They can yeah. sire other vampires. Yeah. And 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 it it grows and grows and grows. Although if if that was the case, then you know, the whole world would be filled with vampires and no humans yeah. would be left. And it seems to be a longer process in Dracula. Like it has it takes place during a, a longer amount of time. It takes like yeah, a week or so. Like it just takes almost a week or so for someone to make a full transition yeah and but constant you, you being display drained sign, yeah you display signs of being drained and tired and and much more withdrawn from the people around you you know and especially with like lucy's case where it was just and almost right away van helsing knows oh she's under the thrall of a vampire she's being slowly changed and she will make the full transformation in a matter of days you know right so so it's just it it, it's interesting like the whole concept of like it takes longer than a few days but also i remember once watching an unsolved mysteries episode about vampires oh really and they sort of broke it down and i remember this quite distinctly that it would take mm, weeks for a vampire if the vampires were real it would take weeks for them to drain a human like weeks because we just produce so much blood platelets and it's it's a constant like we're constantly like regenerating blood platelets so it just it would be hard to drain us all in one shot like not like as it is depicted in the films where they suck our necks and then we're dropped to the ground you know so right i was like oh good to know weird fact for a child but okay (laughs) but i I like to bring it up every once in a while like if vampires are real it would take them weeks to actually kill and drain their host so yeah yeah we have quite a lot of blood (laughs) (laughs) If if you're real you can't kill us right away You'd have to take us with you and and just keep feeding off of us. Mm. But it, it and, and I mean, yeah, it, it especially in more modern times, it takes a matter of seconds for a vampire to transform a person to a vampire. Just it just seems to happen quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Like it's like that bite the neck. Okay, now you suck my blood, and then and then yeah. bam, you're a vampire. Yeah, some are just some just happen with a single bite. Like it, it's almost like a disease transmission. Um, yeah, well, or a transmission well, of poison. Like it's like being right. bitten by a snake. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mentioned um, the uh, the vampire uh, novel by um, uh, Paula Dari. Uh, so that uh, was written in eighteen nineteen, and that was a result of a contest uh, a Lord Byron had um, among some of his writing friends, which mm-hmm. included himself, Percy Shelley, and Mary Shelley. And it was from that writing contest that Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus was.
was uh, was made as well. It is. It was. And yeah. give credit to Lord Byron for sort of inspiring modern Gothic horror fiction mm-hmm. from his contests. Yep. yep. Quite an yep. interesting yep. dude, that Lord Byron. Quite an interesting dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in. Okay. Um, so now we get into the films. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first full-length vampire film was Germany's Nosferatu, Eine Symphony der Grauen, or better known the world over as Nosferatu, a symphony of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, that was released in 1922, directed by F.W. Mur- Murnau. Murnau, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a completely unauthorized adaptation of Dracula. Um, many changes were made in the narrative and the characters, not least Dracula himself, who became Count Orlock. Mm-hmm. Um, the film was sued by the Stoker estate for copyright infringement. It was. They won. Yeah. And they won. And uh, they ordered all copies of it to be destroyed. Um, but thankfully, one. yeah, thankfully there were, uh, yeah, it, it was it was saved. Uh, you you got one. I read there were five copies that were saved. Uh, the the article that I pulled up said it was just one copy that that was then copied and distributed. So it okay. might have just started off of off of one copy, but it was copied and distributed around the world. I see. Okay. But yes, it was just it was ordered to be destroyed by the estate of uh, of Bram Stoker on behalf of Florence Stoker. And they won, and it was it, and and it's interesting enough because in the film, I believe, in the start of it, it says it was adapted from the work mm. of Bram Stoker. So it wasn't like they were changing things and lying about going. Oh no, this is an original story. They said yes, this was from the uh, the works of Bram Stoker. Yeah, because I mean they weren't really thinking of copyright infringement. It w- wasn't going to be shown out of Germany. It was made for the German people. It was, you know, it was, it was all German. So yeah. they were, you know, at that time they weren't thinking of like world distribution or anything like that. Um, no, not at all. Yeah. Nor for giving credit to, well, I mean, they gave him a credit, I guess, but <laughs> that's about it. You didn't get any uh, proceeds. <laughs> Well, absolutely. And I think that's like one of the, like, one of, like, it was like the case to start all cases of copyright infringement and, mm-hmm. and sort of being able to sue someone for, for adapting a work, but not giving a cut to the creator. Or getting their permission. Or the, and yeah, or getting their permission for that. So, um, and it was also the, the only film released by Prana Film. Um, because the studio went bankrupt and then the estate suit and and that was it it for them right. more right but i was i was actually i don't know why i thought that this, it was quite a, kind of interesting i thought that there was some like weirdness surrounding the filming of it so i started trying to look up stuff regarding like weird happenings that occurred during filming like weird related things like that 
made the film sort of cursed, but I couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered um, Shadow of the Vampire, <laughs> yeah. which was the 2000 film uh, uh, starring Willem Dafoe as Max Shrek, right. the, the actor, and then John Malkovich as the director, um, Morneau, and and just how they made Nosferatu and like just how like I was like that might have influenced my psyche just a little bit about surrounding the weirdness of the film but it was really just that film sort of making its way into my memory and going right. like, yeah but it, it it was just an interpretation of what could have possibly have happened at that time during the filming and how Max Shrek was sort of a method actor and really just took on the role of Orlock very like yeah he just took it on and made it his own and became Orlock basically yeah well shadow of the vampire doesn't it suppose that shrek is a vampire yeah exactly so i was like um i think that that's probably why i was so <laughs> like i i thought there was some weirdness around the filming but really like i looked up max shrek and read his 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 history and he seems like a pretty normal guy just a regular just actor who german actor who was quite successful in germany Mm -hmm. aside from that film so yeah it's just it's funny how things like that sort of influence like your like that sort of psyche around it yeah (laughs) (laughs) is there anything weird related to it is there any like mysticism related to this (laughs) No, it's just a movie that sort of says that he was suggests that he was a vampire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd like to think that he was a vampire. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna let that be my narrative. I'd like to think that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna stick with the, the vampires are are not real per se, and <laughs> that you know he was just such a darn good actor that like people were just terrified but uh, it's true uh he wasn't allowed to work with the cast or crew outside of filming his scenes so it made him there was that air of mystery around him i know that much for a fact that they they kept it separate kept him separate from the rest of the cast and crew yeah he wasn't going to craft services with them and, and eating lunch or anything no exactly and i mean the imagery the iconic imagery with that film has sort of inspired other cinema and, and 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 television over the years just in terms of like light and shadow and and uh and i mean it, it definitely like inspired the art makeup artist for salem's lot because you just think oh, about sure. that vampire in that one and you're like that's nosferatu oh yeah that's for that's sure. that's com- that's completely it and um it kind of stemmed its own kind of sub race of vampire. Um, yes. I mean, you had Dracula, which was a sophisticated uh, uh, Eastern European gentleman. Uh, yeah. But then you have uh, you have Count Orlock, who looks to be like a completely different breed of vampire. And, yeah, and he's uh, just he kind of keeps to the shadows. And uh, mm-hmm. the other thing that sort of that film introduced was that he didn't turn anyone into vampires he just sucked their blood that's all he did right and i think it was the film that um showed that sunlight would actually destroy a vampire 
Whereas mm-hmm. Stoker, Stoker's book just said it made them weak. Mm-hmm. Like they, they didn't actually die from sunlight. They, he, like Dracula just became weaker in the sunlight. Yeah. So the yeah, uh, yeah so the being destroyed by sunlight, uh, as far as um, film goes, that was that was a Nosferatu uh, trope. Yes, exactly, and 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 I mean it carried on yeah. throughout cinema and television. That whole idea, sunlight kills vampires. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it just makes Dracula weaker. He can. He's sort of not a daywalker, but he 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 has to just wear a lot of sunscreen to go out. Yeah, and it, it's funny that um, future he has iron deficiency. He's iron, massive amounts. Um, he. It's it's funny that that trope is taken from there, but. Um, is dropped from the the Stoker version in in in, in future versions, uh, except for um, uh, much later when uh, Dracula is remade. Um, yes, but um, yeah, what, they Dracula did... was remade more than once. <laughs> in the was it, it was uh, in the nineties, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so they took you know we're going to keep the the sunlight kills vampires, uh, not makes them weaker, and um, yeah. I, don't know, I, I guess it's more of a dramatic thing. Uh, yeah, agreed. It was much more of a dramatic thing, but also um, it. I think it was just like, oh, it's one extra thing you can sort of a like wait out till sunlight and it'll kill them, and it's one extra thing, like it's one extra power that we hold over the vampire, right? Kind of, <laughs> kind of thing, so that you know it's not all, all just like, oh, you have to, you have to go to the vampire and behead it or stab it you can just sort of like trick them into staying in the sun yeah and that'll happen wait it out break the window exactly um, but it also <laughs> forces you to go into his lair yeah exactly yeah yeah and that's you, very true you wouldn't venture there at night because he's more powerful at night and you have no you have no escape so you don't you have anywhere to run to yeah agreed yeah no, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, nowhere to protect yourself. Yeah, it's it, it, he's much more powerful than you any time of day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, uh, moving on, we get to uh, 1931 and the premiere of the official adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, well, this is it. This is the granddaddy. <laughs> Um, yes, the, the the more memorable of the of the Draculas, at least it, as far as like in terms of of uh, continuation and uh, and and just growing from like just like uh, which what am I trying to say here? The word I'm trying to say sequels. <laughs> yeah, um, we also add a few more tropes because of this. Um, this representation of Dracula. Uh, he has a strong Bavarian accent, and we're going to mm-hmm. see that with pretty much every Dracula or um, vampire going on. They all have this, uh, this European accent or Bavarian accents, and um, don't know why that stuck, but I, it was probably Bela Lugosi's such an iconic uh, portrayal of it that it just stuck with it for years and years and years 
everything everything from the sequels to um Sesame Street's The Count. <laughs> yes. One. Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, two. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you want to say about the uh, the movie? It sort of still follows that uh, the the Dracula story, but I think it uh, where it differs is just the Dracula that we're introduced with in this film is much more. Uh, is much more in line with the original Dracula where he's suave and he's sort of, you know, gentlemanly and mm-hmm. you fall under his thrall. And, and I mean, just, I, I just remember watching it when I was younger and just being very mesmerized by Bela Lugosi and, and just his move, his, the way he moved and the way he carried himself. And, right. and, and uh, and his and his victims were less than memorable for me because it was just like you know the pretty blonde and <laughs> yeah and characters and were I, again uh, changes were made in order to squeeze this big novel into into a you know ninety minute movie or less than ninety minute movie um, mm-hmm. characters were dropped or were merged um, mm-hmm. and really you only really remember. Um, uh, Van Helsing. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he's he's uh, played by an older uh, actor, and, and Van Helsing was an older gentleman in the book. Yeah, but um, not as old as as other versions that have been like, uh, as, especially in cinema, like the way that he's been portrayed. He's sort of been portrayed as an older war hero mm-hmm. in a sense. So yeah, uh, they definitely introduced like Van Helsing as an older man. Yeah, much older man, almost grandfather like. Yeah, yeah, Professor Van Helsing. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, you can't have a young man playing Professor Van Helsing. That just doesn't give him a lot of gravitas. Yeah, as an older man with white hair. Exactly. Um, I mean, Dracula has been covered so much that there's, there's probably not much we can add to it. <laughs> to to the I don't. Film. I, to be quite honest, yes, we there. I mean, he he's dead and loving it at this point. Yeah. We're still talking about him in this day and age. He's dead and loving it. Yeah, it's he's he's the granddaddy of vampire stories. His he threw down all the tropes that are still being used in some form or another to this day. Um, every single vampire portrayal owes owes itself to Dracula, um, whether it is. Which in itself owes to um, uh, mythology, as Stoker did kind of handpick aspects out of various cultures' mythology on the vampire, yeah. and uh, kind of wrapped him up into his novel. I would I would also say that uh, a few well-known actors really owe their uh, their careers and the longe- longevity of their careers to Dracula and uh, and Bram Stoker as well just in terms of their their the notoriety of the material as well mm-hmm. uh, you know Christopher Lee you can't you can't go very far with within his uh, his 
very illustrious career without remembering his portrayal of Dracula right. as well. Yeah. Gary Oldman, who sort of introduced us to Bunhead Dracula. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen, Jonathan Reese Myers, Luke Evans most recently, and also Jack Palance, who I completely forgot played Dracula at one point. Oh, uh, was that a television or was that a movie? Uh... I want to say it was a movie. Okay. I want to say it was a movie, but, you know, Jack Palance is Jack Palance. Yeah. And <laughs> such an odd guy. Like, just such an odd guy. Um, but, yeah, I just, re- like, I remember re-watching it and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, Dracula and Dead and Loving It really drew from the Jack Pounds film more than anything <laughs> else because it just just how it mirrors each other in a way. But uh, yeah, just a lot of actors are owed to Dracula too. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, horror has has you know launched the careers of so many uh, big time actors. Now it's not surprising that. Uh, um, many of them uh, first start out in a Dracula film of some sort. Yeah, or just a like yeah, a horror film of some sort. It just seems to be like the launching point of so many yeah. careers. And I actually revisited one that uh, Jack Nicholson did early, early, early on in his career, where he's it, it's uh, like a haunted castle type story. It was like a cursed oh a cursed story. I can't remember the name of it but yeah jack nicholson's in it it's really well done it's kind of like i mean for the time it was really well done so um yeah it just you just think about how like dracula just is is the granddaddy and we wouldn't have modern vampire uh fiction without him yeah you know and i mean aside from the teen uh teen uh, literature that we have now <laughs> or what is it? young adult fiction is what yes. they call it now yes young adult YA. fiction it's ya ya come on sorry i'm talking to the to the X, chapters X chapters the indigo worker here <laughs> <laughs> yeah just in terms of oh god twilight oh twilight uh. yeah but even even they still took uh a lot of the, yeah. the tropes from it, yeah. Yeah. I think they really sort of introduced the whole, like, vampires are like snakes, and they poison you, and when they inject you with their their venom, mm-hmm. you, that's how they it transforms you, is venom. So I'll give them that. That, that was <laughs> kind of interesting. Aside from that, uh, Edward uh, is very much was very much over it after it started because he heard his name constantly in high school. I like Edward. No, I like Jacob. And he's like, are you guys talking about me? You're, you're, you're... I'm right here. <laughs> he's like, I was so tired of my name after like four years. <laughs> uh, Mallory is talking about her husband, Edward, by the way. <laughs> I feel bad for all the Edwards out there. Like uh-huh. I do. It's it, it's a uh, not like I wouldn't say it's a like everyone's named Edward, but like it's not a like a very popular name aside from uh, most recent years, with, like uh, with the uh, with the uh, Twilight. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. But yes, uh, a lot of people, owe, a lot of, a lot of the industry owes a lot to Dracula and, and Universal. I wish they had continued with their dark universe series. Um, I think it would have been great. Yeah, that's. I think we'll, it would have been. We'll great. get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> that's that's that'll be I part know. two. Um, that will be part two. But um, yeah. yeah, that would. That's my stance. It would have been great. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I don't think you can you can treat horror icons the same as superheroes, and uh, I think I was proving right. <laughs> what you didn't like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? That's a great series. They only did one movie. It was but, a, you know. It was a great comic. I'll give you that. It was a great comic. <laughs> yes, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was a great comic. The movie. Yeah, okay. I get it. The movie was I get it. was um um yeah. It was Steam it was I Steampunk remember. X-Men. It was Steampunk X-Men. I remember. Yeah, you it's true. You know what? I'm coming to your side now, David. <laughs> you can you can't treat horror monsters <laughs> like superheroes. Yeah. You you can't put them in the same group. Yeah. And give them this nice shiny gloss. Over top of them, they they Azik, it loses what they lose their, their essence. They lose the luster, their essence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of part one. Stay tuned shortly for part two of Vampires. Intro and outro music by Greg Hatton.